Episode 42, Outside the Land of Promise. Genesis 12, verses 10 to 20. When we come to passages like this, we need to remind ourselves that God is the greatest conceivable being and continually ask ourselves, how can God be glorified here? When reading the Holy Bible, we must pray to be found to be holy by God. Ask him to cleanse us of our daily sin so that he may open our eyes to what he wants to teach us. We must try to put aside our own preconceptions based on our culture and experience. If we do not do this, we can find ourselves making unfounded judgments about the way things were done. When the Bible condemns an action, we should too, but when it doesn't, it usually means that we should accept that face value and not insert our own condemnations, but instead attempt to learn from them. In the last episode, we learned about Abram's faithful obedience to the Lord, who led him to the Negev desert. In verse 10 we continue, At this time there was not much food in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to live because there was so little food. The famine, like all natural events on earth, was directed by God. Abram would have no doubts about this as he already had a relationship with the Lord, had heard his promises and had believed them and offered offerings to him. Famines are used throughout the Bible for the correction of the people of the land. Abraham was living among the Canaanites and certainly saw their lifestyle and may have even preached to them. Who knows? A famine comes along at some point and there's no reason to think that Abraham didn't realize it was to correct the very people he was dwelling with, the Canaanites. A good example of this kind of correction from God due to disobedience is found when King David took an unauthorized census of the people of Israel. Famine was one of the choices David was given as punishment in 2 Samuel 24 verse 13. It says, So Gad came to David and told him, and he said to him, Shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? The promised land is mountainous, and it is completely dependent on two seasons of rain in order to grow its crops and provide water. Apart from correcting the Canaanites, the famine may have had a secondary purpose of teaching Abram that everything comes from the Lord, and so he was completely dependent on him. He would also learn that direction and deliverance is found in him alone. And so because of the wonderful way the Lord set up the geography, the natural thing to do would be to go where the Lord was providing food and water to Egypt. Clinging to a spiritually dead church because it's our home would be like Abram staying in Canaan when there was nothing to eat. We need to follow the Lord and his provision, not sit idly and become so malnourished, either physically or spiritually, that we are no longer of any use to him or to those dependent on us. Verse 11. Just before they arrived in Egypt, Abram said to his wife Sarai, I know you are a very beautiful woman. Verse 12. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This woman is his wife. Then they will kill me but let you live. Sarai was 65 years old at this point, and we can deduce that she was a faithful woman of true beauty. The kind of beauty that Ezekiel talks about in chapter 16 verse 14. Then you became famous among the nations because you were so beautiful. Your beauty was perfect because of the glory I gave you, says the Lord God. 
Abram was so convinced of her beauty that he actually feared for his life. Consider the church, the bride or princess of Christ paid for by the life of the Lord Jesus. Verse 13, tell them you are my sister, then things will go well with me and I may be allowed to live because of you. In Genesis 11 verse 31, we learned that Sarai was Abram's sister because she was a daughter of Terah, his father. Later, in Genesis 20, we'll see that she was actually Abram's half-sister, meaning she came from a different mother. So Abram isn't lying, nor is he asking Sarai to lie. They simply aren't telling the whole story. Despite popular opinion, this action of Abram was based on faith. Abram had been given a promise by God that his descendants would be given the land. Nothing was said about Sarai, and to this point she's barren. There is nothing to suggest that Abram was required to have only one wife. Abram has no idea that Sarai will ever have children. Only later will come God's promise that the child will come through Sarai. All he's doing here is ensuring that he won't be killed because he's her husband. This does not negate his belief in God's promise, but rather sets up a picture of God's own rescue plan for the church. God has made a promise to him, and she is a part of that plan. The very thing that makes him a faithful man is that his actions were based on faith. Verse 14, so Abram went into Egypt. Archaeology shows that by this time there was already a monarchy established in the area. The people of Egypt saw that Sarai was very beautiful. Some of the Egyptian officers saw her also. They told the king of Egypt how beautiful she was. They took her to the king's palace. Notice that Abram's name is missing as she is taken along by the officers, but he is with her as the next verse shows. Verse 16, the king was kind to Abram because he thought Abram was Sarai's brother. He gave Abram sheep, cattle and male and female donkeys. Abram also was given male and female servants and camels. The Bible does not condone Abraham for a lack of faith here but instead suggests his faithful prayers were answered by God. As James says in the New Testament, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Prayer really does work. In the process of handing over Sarai, Abram is actually blessed just as God promised. Abram was a prophet, and so we should assume that every step he's taking is taken by faith. Verse 17 to 20. But the Lord sent terrible diseases on the king and all the people in his house. This was because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So the king sent for Abram. The king said, What have you done to me? Why didn't you tell me Sarai was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I made her my wife, but now here is your wife. Take her and leave. Then the king commanded his men to make Abram leave Egypt. So Abram and his wife left with everything they owned. And so Abram left, having journeyed to Egypt, gained more wealth, and was also delivered from the famine of the land of Canaan. God had protected him and blessed him in his pilgrimage, and he would continue to do so all the days of his life. By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done, we can be rejoined to God, and he will safely take us back to the land of promise. Abram means exalted father, and Sarai means princess, and the mystery of our identity correlates 
with the mystery of the Church during these ages. To our great and exalted Heavenly Father, we are a princess and the bride of the Prince of Peace, who stepped out of his eternal home of heaven and walked among us. He keeps us safe, even when at times we might think we are left unattended. If we consider that Abraham had faith during this entire episode because his life and his actions only look forward to the greater salvation found in Jesus, we may find hidden treasure here. The doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture is found in the way the people outside of the land of promise are unable to be wedded to the people of God. Abraham had faith that Sarai would behave properly during her trial because she was a woman of faith. Similarly, God trusts that the church will behave properly too as he stands nearby watching our every move. The sudden departure by Sarai, picturing the church from those people outside of the family of faith, anguishing about terrible diseases and left behind under the rule of the Pharaoh, picturing the final Antichrist. May we read the Bible without our sinful nature spoiling the view with boils. May we instead seek to give God glory as we read. As this episode ends, special thanks to God for our children, Elsa, Samuel, Joel and Grace, who helped take part in the discussion about Sarai and the church, and who reminds us to come to Jesus' word with childlikeness. May we never forget the great deeds God has accomplished on our behalf in the person and work of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and the establishment and dissemination of his word. Hallelujah and Amen.